how to achieve global sustainability and climate resilience. With global sustainability and climate resilience on the tips of everyone's tongues, it can be hard to know where to start. Luckily, Brand New Company is here to help. In this video, Megan shares her top tips for achieving global sustainability and climate resilience in your community. Watch now and be inspired to make a difference. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be, but we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent, or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. Let me introduce our guest. Growing up in Indiana, Megan always felt a deep connection to the environment. This led her to achieve her MA in Global Sustainability and Climate Change at the University of South Florida, Patel College of Global Sustainability. She developed a passion for sustainable and organic agriculture there, working on agricultural solar, wastewater reclamation, reclamation, anaerobic biodigestion, it's going to take me a minute to say all of this correctly, vermiculture, and full circle aquaponic slash hydroponic projects. Did I do okay there? When she moved out to wine country, she was ecstatic that Gunlock Bunshu wanted to step outside the box and drive their plan to mitigate and adapt to climate change. With many underlying initiatives to making the wine world sustainable, Megan loves being the one to help lead a sixth generation, and it might be seven, we'll have to ask, family-owned company to further resilience and success. Please help me welcome Megan Seamers. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, April. Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Very excited to be here. Awesome. So outside of that bio, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? 
Sure. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I grew up in Indiana and I um, spent most of my childhood out there. I went to high school in Indianapolis and um, undergrad at Indiana University Bloomington and then um, shipped out to Florida to um, achieve my master's degree. And then I moved to California about three years ago and I've been here ever since and um, wanted to, you know, get my roots down here and um, have been working for Gun Luck Bunch U ever since. And I spend my time um, very much outside, outdoors. If I'm not working, I'm uh, out hiking, um, spending time with my friends, you know, just your typical things. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, and I can definitely relate with the outdoor and the hiking. Those are def some of my favorite things to do. And I hope that I got some of those, the wording right. I don't know. <laughs> you did. You did. You actually nailed it. I was really impressed. Um, but yeah. as oh, you <laughs> now I'm flattered. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Um, it, it's really an exciting topic for me. And I have to say that when I first learned about Gunlock Bunshu, and maybe you want to uh, tell the audience, like, how you have people remember that the gun lock <laughs> fun shoe. shoe yes that's, <laughs> you broke it down I'm, perfectly actually but I'm hitting my hit my buns and tapping my shoe <laughs> um, yeah you broke it down perfect um yeah, so we even have on our corks we have little um symbols that can help people pronounce it um so we yeah. have our little gun and a and a lock um and then you know buns like hamburger buns and a shoe <laughs> yeah well i know that you guys really had to you know try to go a different route in this day and age with with names like that um you know because we just we just don't understand that anymore as much societally speaking right so rebranding in a sense to make sense for everybody so they can remember and understand and know and when we had it was uh, Jessica and and Joe who came to Wine 30 on Oak Street in Roanoke Texas and uh, my good friend Annette owns Wine 30. And so she asked us if we would come to the wine tasting. And um, I love to go support her and, and we're part of her wine club that she does. And what's really great about it is she partners with so many people. She tries to do as much in Texas, but also with vineyards that are all over the world. Um, so we went, my husband and I, and we we met Jessica and Joe. And we had such a wonderful time. And when I learned about the history and the background, I, I was just enthralled. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we need to share this with the rest of the world <laughs> because it's just cool. It's such a rich history. And so, I, um, you know, and when I learned about it's it's called the Regenerative generative organic certification that you, especially Megan, are such a massive part of the company going that route and obtaining that certificate and all of its feats. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that is and what that looks like? Yeah, definitely. So to kind of preface a little bit, um, Gun Luck Bunchu, we are in our 165th year of um, the, in the wine industry. So that is so a cool. lot of history to, you know, dedicated to one name and one property, actually. So right. um, See, tell a little bit about that, because 
as far as my knowledge, that's pretty unheard of. And you and it yeah. may be the the oldest in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. So we're the oldest family owned winery in California. So um, they have been tending to Rhine Farm, which is our home ranch since 1858. And mm. now that we are in our sixth generation of the family, um, and of course, you know, facing all of these changes and the environment due to climate change. Um, a few years ago, they, you know, really realized the family that this is this regenerative organic path and the sustainable path of wine industry is so imperative to their continued success and being able to continue to farm the land that, you know, creates the wines that we love so much. Um, and to be able to continue to produce those wines, we have to, of course, first pay attention to where those grapes are grown and how they're grown. And so with me stepping in um, to the picture, it was kind of just trying to think about how we can um, adapt to and mitigate from the changes that we're starting to see um, in, in the wine industry as far as farming and agriculture goes. Um, so the regenerative organic certification, that is this new, um, you know, state of, it's kind of the gold standard of farming right now. Um, and it, it, it really is because it goes past sustainability and it, it takes the state of your land as it is um, and recognizes that there has been, you know, years put onto this earth of um, human impact. So um, it recognizes mm -hmm. that we're in a state of degradation and we have to be able to um, kind of dig ourselves out of a bit of a hole to find extended resiliency for the land and the environment and the soil that we all utilize for, you know, food and our luxury products like wine. And yeah. so um, because we, you know, are a longstanding family of the wine industry, we have this inherent, you know, um, need to protect the land and kind of set ourselves as leaders in terms of moving it, the industry into a more um, environmentally progressive um, manner, especially when, you know, we have so many acres um, as in general from the industry. There's so many acres actually in California alone. Yeah. I think there's almost 900,000 acres dedicated to grapes. And that includes, you know, table and raisin grapes, but wine grapes alone is about 620,000 acres. That's a lot of land. And that's yeah. a lot of land that, you know, we have to be responsible for. And so that's kind of, you know, the underlying <laughs> reasoning. Well, I want to, I want to step back and paint a big picture for the audience because mm -hmm. yes, that's a lot of land. And you know, some of the things that I didn't know because I'm not in the industry, I'm, you know, I'm not farming anymore. And so, but what it takes, so you talked a little bit about, you know, having to reutilize that land generation after generation after generation and the breakdown and how do you maintain this rich soil in order to have a good production? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I don't think that a lot of people think about that, of what that means. And especially in, in the route of, you know, doing it organically mm -hmm. outside of chemicals and, mm -hmm. and what that looks like. Yeah. So, I mean, if you are thinking about um, this, this topic and compared to conventional versus 
organic versus regenerative. If you're looking at a conventional farm in order to continue um, getting the yields that they of grapes that they they get year after year to make the wine. Of course, there's a lot of fertilizers going in. There's a lot of pesticides to prevent pests. There's all kinds of different outside inputs that are going in there, synthetic inputs. Um, and so farming organically, you're not using any of those synthetic inputs. The farming organically is really focused on what you're putting on your crops um, and what you're not allowed to put on your crops. And then regenerative organic, you're thinking extremely holistically with your farming system to um, kind of have these natural cycles that work with not only, you know, your crop, but also the native land surrounding it, the ecosystems within it. And the most important is the soil health. And so how you are um, keeping your soil microbiome um, in a self-sustaining cycle year after year. And that for the wine industry, that comes into play uh, mostly with cover crops and um, compost and rotational grazing. Um, and those things are all encompassing in regenerative organic certification. So we're really already doing these things um, here at Gunlock Bunchu. And so, um, you know, going after that certification, it really just adds an additional layer of transparency for our consumers, you know, to give them the purchasing power to recognize when something is legitimately um, beneficial for the environment or not hurting the environment. And, you know, so I think a lot of people have um, can have qualms against certifications, but for me, I think it's just uh, super important important to allow consumers to be able to recognize and also help um, provide the knowledge for them to continue to make other decisions outside of the wine industry relating to um, supporting, you know, beneficial agriculture. I agree with you. And I, I want to go back on the point of in, in agreement with you on the importance of having that certificate, because, you know, it really does show the person, the purchaser, you know, it gives them this sense of, oh, I feel better about, you know, drinking this because I know it's better for me. I know it's better for my health. What I'm putting in and on and around my body matters to me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I want to know, cause from, from my recollection, I, there was a number of years that it took to get this certification. Is that correct? Yeah, that's very correct. So, um, in order to even apply for the certification, um, there is the standard that you must be certified organic and to be certified organic, there is a three year transition period where um, you have zero outside um, synthetic inputs on your crops. So there's a USDA um, National Organic Program list. And on that list, it's things that you can and cannot use. And so anything that you cannot use, if you've had it on your property or on your soil anywhere, then you have to go through a three-year transition period where absolutely nothing is um, going on there that is not allowed. And so that's where we started. Um, we used to not farm all of our property in-house. Um, we were a much smaller company about four years ago, and we've had the um, luxury of being able to grow and bring all of our farming in-house. And that was when we were like, okay, this is the time. 
this is where we're going to, um, you know, step up and farm the way that we really want to farm. And so um, that transition started for us in 2019. And so we went through this three year period of, you know, kind of watching how our crops and our wine grapes and land responded to that. And it was honestly very fascinating. Each year, you know, there was more wildlife. We started seeing more mm-hmm. diverse native ground growth. Um, our um, um, beneficial um, insects started, you know, doubling. We last year, for example, I'm walking through one of our Zinfandel vines and um, we tend to, you can get um, this uh, called mites on Zinfandel, especially if it's really dusty and something really great for those are ladybugs. And I'm walking through and there's ladybugs almost every vine, you know, you don't, we didn't see that years before. So it's really exciting to see how your um, land responds to that. And also like our neighbors, we um, let all of our property open to our neighbors. So everyone's always walking their dogs and riding their bikes and going for runs. And Oh, geez. Um, now I know where I need to, <laughs> yeah. to go so, and purchase some land. Yeah, right? That so you know, there's that too. And so people get to see that. And it's been really fun to watch everyone's reactions to that for sure. I love that. And I can absolutely see the passion in your face, Megan, um, <laughs> how exciting that is to see see. And, you know, I, you know, I think as a company, I wonder if that was, you know, as you're testing this out and seeing how it's going to go and seeing how the land takes and it evolves, um, as a company, that'd be a little nerve wracking. I I would, I would think, you know, because you don't know what's going to happen. It's almost like this gamble, um, because you, you really want to do better and, and, to stick with the resiliency of the company and, and mm-hmm. also to help, you know, uh, just in the involvement of our planet and the future health of our planet. So that's Absolutely. wonderful info. I, I'm going to go take us to, uh, a commercial. I, I really could talk to you all day long. And <laughs> if you haven't already gone on this point, which I don't think we have, but when we come back, I want to talk about the unique power and ability of the wine industry to influence all agricultural sectors to farm for the benefit of the climate and environment. And I know we've touched a little bit on that already, but let's go a little deeper. Stay tuned. Sounds great. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Hi, I'm April Hove, the Managing Director of the Fort Worth, Texas chapter of eWomen Network. I'm so excited that you stopped to watch this video. I've got good news for you. 
who have just discovered an international network of women entrepreneurs who are committed to helping you achieve, succeed, and prosper. We are on a mission to help 1 million women entrepreneurs each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. Here at eWomen Network, we have a complete success system that supports you every step of the way in building and growing your business. You being here right now is no accident. We're supposed to know about you. We want to meet you to find out how we can help you as well as learn about what you have to offer. With over 500,000 women connecting through 118 chapters across the US, Canada, Australia, and the UK, you are never alone. If this is resonating with you, please go to eWomenNetwork.com slash Fort Worth. Notice too, my contact information. I invite you to reach out to me and check out our upcoming in-person and online events. I am really looking forward to introducing you to our community. Okay, so let's talk about all of the benefits to uh, the climate and the environment. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a lot going on there. So <laughs> <laughs> um, what's really cool about the wine industry or kind of, I, or I guess where I should start, what separates the wine industry um, and the agriculture sector compared to other agricultural sectors is that we're a luxury product, you know, so... Mm. Um, yes, you are. <laughs> we're a luxury product. You know, you don't need wine to survive, or at least, you know, I might, but <laughs> frank, <laughs> frankly, we have a lot more monetary and marketing power than, you know, say you're a potato farmer. And so when you drink a glass of Gunlock Bunchu or Abbott's Passage wine, for example. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, hold on. Is it show and tell? Let's see yours. Should this okay, be some show and tell? Wait. I have them in the back here. Amazing. And what I do you have, have there? I have a dry. Uh, it's hard the Verstraminer. Yeah. you can say Gewurz to make it easy. <laughs> dry Gewurztraminer. That is one of our really special wines because um, it is, we actually, Jacob Gunluck, our founding, one of our founding fathers, he actually smuggled that grape over from Germany and it's still planted on our property today and it's delicious. <laughs> oh, and we can talk about it now. Uh-huh. Yes, we can. Okay. <laughs> I love that. I might want to hear more. And then I have um our Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah. Beautiful. That they Very were nice. So good. These were our, our top picks for sure. Amazing. And you tried those whenever Jessica and Joe came in and yeah. that's when you did that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I have here our Abbott's Passage Noontide. Oh, so this is a, you know, extension of the Bunchu company portfolio. Um, Katie Bunchu, she's um, one of, she's our sixth generation female vintner and she wanted to do something to kind of set herself apart Um from the family as the first female. And she runs this amazing um, winery called Abbott's Passage. And it's very, it's all Rhone varietal inspired and um, supports women run businesses in the mercantile and oh, super, cool. super cool. So I had to, you know, have a little bit as I'm sitting here in the tasting room. I, I, I failed there <laughs> on that one, but, <laughs> I but was not at, to digress I was, too much. <laughs> I was gonna ask you about that. If you were, if you were at on site, 
Yeah, so I'm on site here at Abbott's Passage. Um, I'm actually looking at our field table of um, vines, Zinfandel vines planted in the 50s. So they're absolutely gorgeous. Um, but yeah, you'll have to come out here sometime and oh, get the I, full experience. I absolutely, we'll make it out there <laughs> yeah. someday. Absolutely, in the future, near future, hopefully. Um, I'm so excited. So yeah, tell me, tell me. Oh, so I digressed a little bit. So no, I, I, I <laughs> that we got to talk about that because I mean that's that is what you know you you create. You guys create this incredible luxury product yeah. that is is such a a beautiful thing to offer to people because it's the way that you do it, and that mm -hmm. is why you're here on the Wellness Driven Life yes. Show. Because good circle back. All you do, yeah. <laughs> good circle back, yeah. So the, really, you know, when people are drinking a glass of one of our wines, we want them to feel good about it, and we want them to know that what they're drinking isn't terrible for them, and mm -hmm. that we also created it in a sustainable and um, responsible way as stewards for the environment, and. As I mentioned, this being a luxury product, we, t you know, have a little bit more money and marketing power. And that is where I think the wine industry, you know, has a special opportunity to be able to kind of push this regenerative organic agenda and help influence other agricultural sectors that may not be as exposed to the um, farming possibilities because one, it may be a little more expensive or as we were talking about early could be a risk to transition. Um, I think in the wine industry, the um, organic transition risk of, you know, maybe not having as much yield as you did um, conventionally or mm. having an alteration of your taste or just simply not being able to have as much control over any sort of issue that may happen in your vineyard. Um, it presents a lot of risk and it can be really terrifying for um, any farmer, especially a farmer that really, really relies on that crop every year to be able to, you know, sustain the farm the following year. So um, the with, you know, so in the wine industry, we have a lot of voice and a lot of potential and a lot of land, as I mentioned earlier, and a lot of ability to make a difference and farm for the environment and farm for in response and in response to climate change. And because um, the wine grapes and um, vineyards are a perennial crop, meaning they live year round, year after year, They're, it's not a crop that, you know, so I mentioned potatoes earlier, you're not farming it one year, harvesting them and planting a new seed. It's the same seed, it's the same rootstock, it's um, unless you're grafting on it. Um, that We don't wanna get too technical, but. Um, <laughs> so this a perennial crop, that means the roots are in the ground and the roots are very deep tap rooted. And that means that these roots that are consistently in the ground are able to draw down carbon. And because um, they, you know, we, in a vineyard, you have about six to eight feet in between each row of vines. And in that six to eight feet, um, you also have the potential to um, draw down even more carbon from the atmosphere via um, cover crops or um, ground cover with roots in the ground year round, not, not tilling them up. Um, and that is another um, aspect of regenerative agriculture is low to no till. And that purpose is to keep the roots in the ground and draw down carbon. So as a perennial crop, um, that's what really is special in terms of, you know, um, 
adapting to climate change. I have my winemaker standing outside of the window messing with me right now. So. Oh, shame on him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, trying does he want to come on camera and say I hello? He He's going to be so loud. I think he should. I'll Might send him a well. little text. Actually, <laughs> go grab him. Yeah, he has to now. So, Well, I think, Megan, you're such an incredible teacher. You know, really, I don't think anybody has an idea of, like you said, the wine industry with the amount of land and Mm -hmm. space that you have and the fact that it's a perennial uh, crop, that it has such a huge effect on climate change. I did not know that. I wouldn't have even thought of it. But what a wonderful point that you make there that you, you, yeah, (laughs) it's just a big impact. And so that's a, that's a cool understanding. And now I want to buy more wine. Good. You should <laughs> buy, buy from responsible brands. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's really what drove me to the wine industry is just the amount of impact that we can have for the environment. Um, you know, you think about the wine industry and you think about viticulture, um, you think about viticulturists and winemakers, and you don't really think about, you know, the nitty gritty of these types of things. Um, and this, this can be applied to every single sector of any agriculture. So, and that's, what's so special about it. And so exciting about it, especially for the regenerative organic certification, you know, they, they certify, um, all food products, um, textiles, personal care products, and they have a whole market where you can go on and, you know, search for your brand or search for what you need and it can pop out. Oh, these are some regenerative organic certified farmers that are producing these products. Um, And so, you know, and you mentioned like teaching, I think sustainability, most of it is teaching people to have a better understanding of what you're doing from your day to day and what you're choosing and having, you know, um, a lot of confidence in your own purchasing power and being able to make the decisions that, you know, will be beneficial and not harmful for you or your future kids or grandkids. Yeah, I love that. And and I'm going to bring the audience back again to the point of, you know, you with your background and how passionate you are about, you know, global change when it's needed and that you were drawn to the wine industry based on that big, that larger impact. So mm-hmm. that's really wonderful. Um, So we really touched on a lot. I'm going to... um. I want to come back. I want to go to a, a commercial right quick. And then when we come back, go uh, on the importance of technological innovation in agriculture in response to climate change. That'll be cool. So stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back. Our lives were never the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. 
Hello, everyone. I am Kim Jacobs, the host of The Kim Jacobs Show, and you all know who's right here with me, Dr. Les Brown. How are you, Dr. Brown? I'm blessed and highly favored. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the time you want to give yourself a competitive edge. If you got a message, you have some knowledge or experience, a story, or if you want to do something adventurous and exciting with your life that can increase your credibility, expose you to millions of people, I'm encouraging you to have your own talk show. I used to have a talk show. That one talk show catapulted me to another level. Now there are more people watching the internet, as you are aware, than television. Yes. Come on, somebody. That's right. After Kim Jacobs, she trained people on how to have their own talk show. She will train you how to do that. And now with me working, partnering with her, now you have the combination of an audience, expansive audience. We have over 4 million people in all of our platforms and the coaching you need to grow your business, to grow your multi-level marketing organization, to draw more attention to yourself in this noisy economy. Go ahead, Kim. So in the training that I do, Les, I actually do a six-week training. It's one hour per week. And each week I meet with the individuals one-on-one. -on -one. We go through and we talk about all of the things that's necessary for a show to become a reality. We go from how to actually identify your focus area, what's going to be your ideal customer that's going to be tuning in. We'll talk about how to get guests, how to get sponsorship, how to go about getting your lighting, your branding, and your banners, and everything that you need to know. And guess what, Les? They right. own their own content at the end of the day. And that's exciting. Now, if you're ready to, to, to create a shift in your business and in your life and increase your cash flow, I want you to go to KimJacobsConsulting.com. It's right there on the screen. KimJacobsConsulting.com. You know, people say opportunity knocks on every door. Right. No. Opportunity stands by silently waiting for you to recognize it. So I want you to recognize that this is a time for you. This is an incredible time to have your own talk show. It establishes a level of credibility. Yes. And by being exposed to people on a regular basis, it allows you to strategically begin to impact and attract your audience. She can take you in a place in yourself that you can't go by yourself. So go to Kim Jacobs consulting.com. That's kimjacobsconsulting.com. Did I say kimjacobsconsulting.com? Yes, you did. Very good. Make sure you go there and sign up for the coaching and we're looking forward to working with you. You have something special. You have greatness within you. That's my story and that's Kim's story and we're sticking to it. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Okay, so I, I actually asked you what the importance of technological innovation in agriculture in response to climate change, but I think I jumped the gun, gun lock. Um, <laughs> and let's, let's backtrack a little bit because I, I would love to know what um, the effect is on climate change in regards to regenerative agriculture and the wine industry. How, 
how is that effect on climate change? Can you talk a little bit about that first? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think, honest, actually, the way to explain it, if I can, I'm going to kind of flip this around a little bit, but it's yes, going to all work do. out. Lead okay. the way. <laughs> all right. So, um, so as we all know, um, with climate change, we've had a lot of different um, types of weather changes and different patterns in the weather. Um, but with that related to the wine industry, you know, we can no longer really rely on the old farmer's almanac. Um, there mm -hmm. is, there's been um, uh, farmers here in this area in the wine industry that have been doing this for decades and suddenly they're no longer harvesting on their typical harvest date or their um, vines are bud breaking weeks before than they typically would, or they're starting irrigation mm -hmm. way sooner than they are used to, meaning they're using more water. Um, or we're having, you know, crazy rain events when we're not really supposed to be having rain, and mm -hmm. that can cause different sorts of mildew and issues in the vines. So there's a lot of um, different changing weather patterns that have been affecting the industry and making it a little bit more difficult or a lot more difficult um, to really know where your vines are at and what you need to be doing with them. And then that coupled with um, wildfires and droughts and extreme temperatures, or even, um, for example, in France this past year, they had a really late frost event that basically ruined their entire vintage. Mm. Um, we, of course, had our 2020, um, when I actually my first year in the industry in 2020, we couldn't harvest any of our um, red wine grapes because of smoke taint, because of fires that uh, weren't yeah. even directly in our valley. So these um, effects of climate change are very apparent in the industry. And with regenerative agriculture and technological innovation, um, we've been able to have more confidence in our growing seasons and in, even in our off seasons. Um, for example, we, for, well, with regenerative agriculture, the basic you know, goal of it is to allow your land to become more self-reliant or self-sustainable, self-sufficient, resilient, another word. And that's um, how you use the animals and the insects. Yes. Yes. So with that, you know, we're looking to create a holistic, holistic system and having, you know, everything in that system matters from your soil microbiome to your animals, to your farm workers and everything basically as in tune with one another and with, especially I, on, sorry, go ahead. Yes, please, please. Because this is where my mind goes uh -huh. and it excites me. And, and many people probably already get this and you definitely do, but really essentially what it sounds like to me is what you're doing is, so my belief is that our bodies can heal ourselves. Mm -hmm. And because we, we have this incredibly, incredible design we were designed to heal ourselves, to bounce back, you know, to, to navigate in the sense of whatever happens to us. You know, that's mm -hmm. why, you know, we, when we get a cut, we eventually heal ourselves. So it sounds to me like essentially you're doing the same thing with the land. Like there's this whole connection aspect of it Absolutely. where it just, it just heals itself. It bounces back. It does what it needs to do in the face of adverse 
aspects such as weather mm-hmm. conditions, et cetera. Absolutely. That's a really great way to put it, actually. And a great way for people to kind of understand the connection here, because when you set yourself up for success in terms of your daily health, you feel better. You're able to fight off infection. You're able to wake up in the morning and feel good, you know, um, and that the same thing goes for the environment. And, and it all starts really with our soil health. Um, and that's what the underlying goal of regenerative agriculture is to build up your soil health as much as possible. And then that comes in the okay, form so the of internal. Yes, exactly. Your, your internal <laughs> system and yep. the, the systems within the microbiome, you know, that's your water cycle, your nitrogen cycle, um, all kinds of different, you know, your water infiltration, the organic matter. And that, then when you're introducing, you know, the animals, um, cover crops, low to no till, these are all helping to build those things up. So you're um, rotating animals, you're grazing, they're helping fertilize really that top soil there. And your top soil is so important because when you lose your top soil, that's your protective layer. And then you don't have anything to continually build up to. And so, and then your cover crops, like I mentioned earlier, you're keeping those roots in the ground. You're, it's kind of like um, soil armor. It's to protect the soil. If you don't have your soil covered, so if you think about rain, rain is impacting your soil, it's compacting it. And then whenever nutrients need to break down, it's not able to get through. Or even water, if your mm. soil is too compacted, your water can't infiltrate properly and then the roots aren't getting to it the way it needs to. So it's just all these little things and even wind, if your topsoil is is um, exposed, wind is going to blow it all away. Right. That ends up in your water streams and then the fish are dying. You know, it's all a full circle. Yeah. It really is. So it's... Um, Yeah, it's a lot. I don't want to go down too big of a rabbit. No, it's it's incredible. (laughs) And that's why it's so important to get that certification. I'm going to read it again because I can't remember it, but the regenerative organic certification and why it takes years to get to that point. Like, I, I would love to just educate our audience in at least one aspect there is when you see that, when you see that certification on branding, it's a big deal. Yeah, it really is. And I and I mentioned this earlier how a lot of people may not, you know, put as much value in certifications, but there's a lot of work that goes into that. And there's a lot of, um, you know, continuous improvement and there's a lot of self-checking and there's a lot of um, validating through third parties, you know, so there's a lot that's going on there to ensure that we're doing the right thing. And um, it might not always be the easiest thing to do, but for us, it's the right thing. And that's the way we want to see the industry go. And that's how we want to re- um, preserve our property. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, because I know that we could go on and on, can't we? Mm-hmm. Um, let's jump into these, this photo album. I'm really excited mm. to share your, your guys's company sent this to me and and I would love for you to talk yeah. a little bit about it. There's the beautiful it. land. I love this photo. This is um, actually our La Paz vineyard. And so what you're seeing here is um, a lot of this. Actually, all of these vines here are in our um, our Bordeaux varietals. So you see a lot of those in our Mountain Cuvée, which is pretty accessible across the whole United States. Um, and then we have our cab there. So the bottle that you have that mm-hmm. comes from this vineyard right here. Oh, um, I this love is that. a really special. 
the picture yeah, to where yeah. I know where it's from. Totally. And then that pond there, that's a water reclamation pond. And so um, we irrigate out of that pond. And so we aren't, um, you know, dipping too much into our groundwater. Mm. Oh, yes. This is our, so this is our journey kind of where, how we're getting to where we are. Um, yeah. The family has been, they've always operated sustainably, meaning, you know, they have gotten this far. How, to, how could you not? Um, yeah. And fish-friendly farming, this is a, um, this was kind of one of the first certifications that was around in, in this area. Now it's a, definitely a requirement. It's basically farming to prevent soil erosion um, and to protect, you know, your, um, your, um, blanking on your watershed. So we have a lot of really important watersheds around us. And when you're, when you're farming and agriculture, all of that, you know, runoff ends up in your, your local watershed. Um, so the, this was when the certification was actually introduced um, way back in 2008. That's funny that that's way back now. I know. <laughs> it right? feels like yesterday. Um that's funny. Um, and now it's a requirement, but that was one of the real first certification steps that we took at the time. Um, and it was a pretty big deal then as well. Um, and then the following year, we earned our um, green business certification. And that mainly came from all of the work that we've put into our water reclamation and solar systems, um, our so solar panel systems. I did not space <laughs> on the property. So, um, Megan, that was is that, old, is that only locally? Cause I see it says Bay area. Yes. That these are both local certifications okay. and then, um, CCOF organic. You've probably seen CCOF. This is yep. a, yeah, this is a national certifying body. Um, and this is who we got our organic certification to last year. That was really exciting. Um, and then now, yeah, we are on target to hit our regenerative organic certification yes. in August. Super exciting there. That is. Are, are you guys, is the company planning on having a celebration? Uh, nothing on the books yet, but I'm sure there will definitely be some special events for Tell it. them April on the Wellness Driven Life Show encourages a celebration. <laughs> I will. I will. I can't imagine it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. So these are um, farming organically. Um, we really rely on, um, I kind of have mentioned this, our holistic system, our native habitats, things that visit Rhine Farm that can help um, benefit us and how we can bolster them, help them, and then they help us. It's kind of, you know, a little barter and trade system. So these are our bird boxes. Um, we've had them on the property forever. Um, and we've recently added a lot more, but they house bluebirds and tree swallows. Um, mm -hmm. Bluebirds are amazing for any sort of herbivorous pests out in the vineyard. Um, and then tree swallows are amazing for flies. So um, the tree swallows really help keep our livestock, all of our ruminants. We have several, I'm sure we'll get into pictures about that, um, but they help keep them, you know, fly free without using any sort of um, synthetic pesticide on the animals. Um, and then of course, yeah, helping out with the, um, pests in the vineyard. So we have about 50 of those across the property. And then the one in the middle is actually an owl box and those are great oh. for ground squirrels. And we get 
little owl families that live in them every year. They're so cute. Um, the ground squirrels are cute too, but they do some well, damage. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure those squirrels definitely do some damage. So oh, man. I can see how owls are beneficial. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is just some of our property. This is really highlighting our cover crops and how we think about our soil. And in the top right the hand corner there, we can get into this a little bit. Um, so, you know, you can't manage what you don't measure. That's my favorite little yeah. saying in terms of um, soil health. So we partnered with the Savory Institute. Um, if you don't know who they are, you should check them out. They're okay. an amazing um, foundation started by Alan Savory that is really focused on um, holistic grazing, you know, regenerative agriculture um, for all of our grasslands and how we can um, develop our grasslands to be carbon sinks, essentially, and to sequester carbon. Um, and so we do ecological outcome verification monitors, that's a mouthful, uh, through the Savory Institute. And um, they, they came out on in 2021 to conduct our baseline year um, before we were certified organic because we wanted to see where our soil was, where our land health is and how we can improve and what we need to do to improve. And um, we had our year one monitoring completed this past April in 2022. And we were deemed ecologically outcome verified, meaning that we are okay. making a positive, um, you know, difference in our, our land our ecosystem is seeing a positive trend um, toward regeneration. And so here in this photo, we are inspecting a cow patty and we're so excited. Oh, because... I thought I wondered. I thought I was curious. <laughs> yes, it's some cow dung. And we were <laughs> stoked that there were dung beetles breaking it down. The year before, we weren't seeing many dung beetles in our um, in the cow patties, and those are um, a really strong indication of a, so a healthy microbiome in your soil. If I you was, haven't, sorry, go ahead. I, no, please no, cut no, me off, okay. or I'll I, keep going. <laughs> no, I, but my mind went to you know how you're alleviating the flies, and mm -hmm. I was thinking, well, what about what flies do? You know, mm -hmm. so how, what do you, what takes that place? And so you're saying, I think the dung beetles do. Yes, absolutely. Cool. And dung beetles, if your soil is at a certain state of health, they could break down cow patties in a matter of hours. Um, and so that's really taking, allowing all of, of those nutrients to be broken down and taken up into your soil. Otherwise, if you're, you have a um, degraded, unhealthy soil, those cow patties just sit on top and oxidize and, the nutrients don't incorporate into your soil whatsoever. And so you have to actually get your soil microbiome to a state where it can successfully break down nutrients that need to be in it. And that's really where that holisticness and, you know, keeping the roots in the ground and utilizing your native habitats really comes into play. Oh, that's fascinating. <laughs> fascinating. Yeah, so there's more of that EOV monitoring um, and indicating that we're EOV verified. So we do this every year and we have um, across both of our properties about 30 short-term monitoring and then 10 long-term monitoring sites um, that will help us pinpoint how we're progressing and anything we need to change or anything we need to do differently or, you know, 
something that we need to catapult us or so forth. <laughs> because you can't manage what you don't measure. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these are our little bees. With, um, so with um, regenerative organic, you have to introduce animals to your property. And we, of course, have our ruminants, but the bees were our first introduction. Mm -hmm. And we actually have more native land on Rhine Farm than we do planted acres. So that native land has a lot of um, pollinator opportunities and our gardens. And so um, uh, vines are self-pollinating, but we bring all of these bees on site so that they can pollinate our native land and keep the, um, all of those systems, you know, moving forward healthily. Ah, oh, I like that. And here are our ruminants and yes, our, our grazing team. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> we have nine baby doll sheep and currently four of them are pregnant. So we are about to increase our baby doll sheep team. But what's special about baby doll sheep is they aren't able to get up on their hind legs because they're so short and plump. <laughs> they're absolutely adorable. So we are able to graze them in the vineyard year round and they um, can't get Without up. Without eating the crop. Exactly. Yeah. So they do an amazing job um, weeding our rows, which, you know, prevents excess fuel combustion out in the vineyard. Um, and they also are great for fertilizing our topsoil, as I mentioned earlier. Uh -huh. And then those two little guys in the bottom left-hand corner, they are not little anymore, let me tell you. They just <laughs> turned one year old. Um, they're our Turkish Akbash livestock guardian dogs, and they are non-lethal predator control. So they spend time with um, our baby doll sheep. And I mean, when I say time, they follow them around everywhere and protect them. And Aww. they're awesome. They're so, their names are Bert and Ernie. So <laughs> they were actually named by some uh, GB Gun Luck Bunchu fans. And I think they're awesome. They <laughs> and are. then in the middle, those are our Hereford steers. So um, we have three male um, Hereford cows and they graze our fallow fields. So our it's fields that aren't planted. So typically um, in the industry, if you have a fallow field, um, you want to utilize that space to increase your production, right? And we, and in, in that, you know, like a conventional setting, it would be pumped with, you know, synthetic fertilizers and be turned around in like a year replanted. And then it takes three years to get a crop on a vine. Um, and so our, our process for this instead is to graze these cows. And also we put our sheep in there as well. And so they've been working our fallow fields for about two years now. And they're really great for um, grazing them throughout those paddocks and helping to regenerate the soil with that added fertilization. And their um, compaction with their hooves is really awesome. Okay, um, so you have some more planting in the future. We do. Yeah, well, okay. we'll see. We we haven't really decided our, you know, um, what we're, what varietal we want to do yet. I think we have some ideas, but we do have several fallow fields that we're looking to replant. So we should be able to pump some more wine out to you guys here soon. <laughs> Wonderful. I, I really like that. That's, you know, you got some definite future planning 
Oh yeah. And, and then we have, we have a couple more here. Oh yeah. So then we, up in the right-hand corner, we have Daisy and Knickers. Those are mm -hmm. our resident donkeys. They honestly are just really cute. They don't do <laughs> Oh no, I'm sorry. They, they do. They do. No, we'll, we'll put them up in our, um, so as I mentioned, we have a ton of native land and a lot of that is a wooded area. So these, the donkeys and then our goats, these are alpine goats in the bottom right-hand corner. We have four of those guys and they graze our native land and they're amazing for fire prevention. So anytime mm -hmm. you have um, any overgrown land that is connecting from the floor to the canopy, it's a, it, it's a severe fire risk because it gets dried out during fire season and it basically is just amazing fuel for the fire. And so well, these and historically Bunlock has had issues with fires, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. We we um came very, very, very close in 2017. Our team was on property fire fighting the fire ourselves. Um our CEO Jeff, he actually um happened across a fire truck and was able to get them to come to our property and basically save our winery um mm. and facilities. And that was like a three day, you know, long fight. Um, and then 2020, yeah, we lost a majority of our crop to smoke taint. So fire is very real for the industry. And it's very, it's a very threatening um, thing to a lot of people's livelihoods, really. Um, so these little goats are, are very important. They absolutely are. And they do a great job. <laughs> I skipped one. Oh, so that, that pond in the left-hand corner there, actually, in um, 2017 fires, there was a Cal Fire helicopter that was dipping into it to put out fires across the other side of town. Um, so we like to say that that pond actually saved a part of Sonoma. Um, yeah. It was really cool. So that's our one of our water reclamation ponds as well. Um, we have two of those pictured there. Um, and so we're able to irrigate from our to our vineyards from um, reclaimed water. And then those machines there, this is kind of the innovative technology oh, we were yeah. alluding to earlier. Um, so these um, machines help us to be able to know really um, what kind of water stress our vines are under um, with the changing weather patterns and the droughts and everything. It's been more difficult to understand um, really when the vineyard needs to be irrigated because we don't want to um, let our vines get too stressed, but we don't want to overwater. Water conservation is very important for us. And so these um, are tools that help us um, be able to refine our irrigation practices and ensure we're not using too much water and we are extending our irrigation sessions as long as possible in between so we're not wasting any water. Um, so one is a evapotranspiration sensor and then one is a soil probe and a weather station and it goes into the soil and is able to tell us how saturated our soil is up to 48 inches deep. So these kinds of things have become pretty essential with farming out here. I love that there's such a intricate, 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 I can't speak, <laughs> collaboration between, you know, this beautiful working of both nature and innovative science and how we can combine the two of them and, and create this really unique. Totally. Uh, yeah. 
There's so much opportunity there. And um, it's, I think, you know, it's the future and it's, it's technology will, I think, get us through our toughest times and might be the toughest time because of it. But um, no, it's been very beneficial to us for innovation and science. We're actually working with um, some Berkeley scientists right now um, that started a new company called root applied sciences and they're helping us reduce the amount of times we need to spray our vines for powdery mildew um, which is a very common thing that happens in the wine industry you have to prevent powdery mildew in your vineyard anytime the weather is above 75 degrees but below 90 degrees and there's this new technology that is kind of like a covid test it's a pcr test and it collects um, spores and then it is a, it can quantify the amount of spores um, that creates powdery mildew in your vineyard. So you have time to spray or you can not spray and therefore reserve, wow. reserve your resources, reserve labor, reserve, you know, time, combustion of fossil fuels. It's it's really fascinating. So there's I a love lot that. there. That, mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it just goes to show you know, when we integrate those science and those, that new technology, it really truly saves us so much. I mean, and it could be on a, on such a massive scale of what it does save us. So that's very cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is just some of our solar, our solar um, power. We are, um, we have enough solar panels that powers our um, 60% of our winery production. And then it also powers all of our water reclamation system. So we actually were the second winery in California to install floating solar panels. So on the bottom right-hand Ooh. corner there, that those panels are actually floating on a wastewater pond. So oh, that wow. is our, yeah, so it's our wastewater pond. It collects all of the um, waste from our winery and any winery production. And then it is recycled um, with um, the, just solar rays and uh, aerobic, so air. And then it gets filtered through into another pond and then it's able to be reused for irrigation. Oh, that is brilliant. So you said you're the second one to do that. Do you know how many are are doing it? I don't know how many are doing it now, but um, I know those floating panels were kind of a innovative big deal whenever yeah. they first did it. Yeah. That's I I hadn't heard of it. So that's that's really cool. Brilliant. Yeah. And then this right here, this is uh this is compost. This is pumice. Um so all of our um, wine grapes that are crushed throughout the um, crushing season. So during harvest, that's a, a hundreds of tons of pumice. And so we collect that and it gets sent for compost and then is uh, reutilized in the vineyard. Oh, it's so pretty. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, very strong, actually. It smells like <laughs> fermentation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty in a different way. Yeah. Um, so th- this is this is kind of a a lot here with this photo, but this is your journey. Yeah, this is really like what I've been up to since I joined the company Um, and just kind of like where where we've started with this getting to regenerative and um, how we've got there. And yeah, we're almost almost there. (laughs) Right. Almost there. 
And this is this is a little hard to see, I think, for the audience. But can you just explain briefly what what each of these pockets are? Yeah. So these are the three pillars of the regenerative organic certification, and that is focusing on your soil health, your animal welfare, and um, your farm worker fairness. So one of the really cool. Um, aspects of this rock certification and what really was one of the main driving forces for us um, to go after it is that farm worker fairness piece. Um, mm. As a, you know, a family owned company, our workers are everything to us and as in agriculture, um, it tends to get lost and it's sad that that really needs to even be a pillar for something, mm. but mm -hmm. um, it, it's really important for us. And we like to, um, you know, our, our, our vineyard and our cellar workers are all internal. So we don't really contract much work out and we like to do everything we can to provide, you know, as high skilled positions as possible and as high value positions as possible. Um, so for example, we have, um, right now for our viticulture program, we have the United States first steep slope harvester. Um, it's actually, uh, from Germany and um, we are utilizing the first one in the U.S. And so all of our vineyard workers are being trained on this amazing new piece of equipment that is able to um, go up slopes up to 7%, which is really, really steep. Um, and mm. so just for an example of, you know, these high skilled opportunities that we're able to give people that really um, you know, give them value in their work. Um, and, you know, just to be able to go to work and have pride in what you do, that's, um, you know, really the main focus for that. And that really, I know I'm a better worker when I have pride in what I do. Absolutely. Aren't we all? <laughs> aren't we all? Yeah. So yeah, those are really the three things that we're um, deeply focused on to achieve this certification. And it's three things that are really the foundation of our agriculture program for sure. Mm, teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah, there's our team. <laughs> Some right. of them, at least. Some of them. <laughs> oh, that's great. You you really, this really shows me the, the importance and aspects of community that, that you guys have cultivated here. It's definitely, definitely very, very important to us from, you know, our neighbors to our employees, the family, everything in the industry. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And that's, here's some more pictures of the soil. Yeah, so these are just some vines. Oh, yeah, we got some soil. We got all kinds of good pictures in here, don't we? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so that's just, you know, um, other things highlighting. That's up in the left-hand corner. That's some bud break. Um, that's a uh, the season we're about to come up on now here soon. Usually we have bud break the end of March. So um, that means that's basically our first indication that growing season has arrived and things start to happen above the soil rather than below it. Uh, so all is well this year. That's all exciting. is well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've, we're still getting rain. We've gotten a ton of the rain. Our soil is completely saturated. Um, so we're feeling pretty good going into this growing season for sure. And this is the fruits of our labor. That's right. <laughs> Great ending photo marketing team. Yeah. Oh, cheers to that. Cheers to that. <laughs> that is beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Well, gosh, we really could go on and on. Megan, you are so full of information. And 
I absolutely have enjoyed having you on the show. Is there anything else that you, you want to share with our audience today? I hope I didn't um, overwhelm Elon with too much information. Um, you have my contact info here at the bottom of the screen. I'd be so happy to answer any additional questions anyone has or go deeper into any topic. I know I probably covered a little too much, but I had so much fun here with you, April, and I really appreciate you bringing me on. Oh, thank you. Yeah, of course. You know, and you know, the company is doing so many cool things. And, you know, I know we talked a little bit about bringing on maybe even somebody else because there's so much richness with what you guys are doing and the company and the fact that it is so old and with, you know, I, why did I think seven generations? So it is the sixth generation still, it doesn't matter. That's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. We're, we'll be heading into the seventh generation when Jeff, um, Jeff's kids take over. So okay. Jeff is our CEO now, sixth generation next to seventh. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, just the resiliency aspect of that. And, you know, we didn't even tap into the historical aspects. And, I know and I got that's to, a whole other ballpark. It is. It's a whole other. <laughs> so, you know, just you being on here sharing you know, this aspect has been awesome and I'm so excited. And I know that our audience is going to just be thrilled about all of the knowledge, the the beautiful things that you shared that we now get to know because of you. So very, <laughs> very pleasure. cool. I want to, yeah, definitely. So you can reach out at Megan at Bunshu.com. And there's a couple of websites, www.gunbun.com bun.com and then the www.abbotspassage.com. So two incredible areas to find lots more information. And thank you again, Megan, for being on the Wellness Driven Life Show. And I just want to let, you're welcome, (laughs) let our audience know. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have any questions or comments, you can, and you're watching the replay, you can ask away and we will get back to you. So until then, we appreciate you being here and goodbye for now.